We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As always, by WinBet. Make sure you're checking out winbet.com. Plenty of sports to be wagering on, not only the NBA, but of course the NCAA tournament getting underway this week tonight. In fact, we have a pair of play in games. We got two more on Wednesday, and then everything really kicks into high gear uh, over the weekend, beginning with the games on Thursday. But uh, partially because the NCAA tournament is approaching, uh, I wanted to bring back James Anderson onto the pod to uh, discuss the 2022. NBA draft, which we, you know, a couple times throughout the year, we've dug in on some of the bigger names in the class. Nothing has really changed all that much. You know, Jabari Smith continues to, to very much, you know, solidify himself in that upper tier, along with a couple of the names that we expected, you know, basically a year ago when you start projecting this 2022 draft. But, um, you know, you and I will continue to dig in as we get closer and closer to late June. We actually just got the announcement this morning that the NBA draft will be taking place on June 23rd. Uh, in New York City, but you messaged me, uh, I can't remember if it was earlier this week or over the weekend and asked me, you know, how good is this draft on a scale of one to 10, in, in my opinion? And I think my initial response right away was, I don't know. I haven't thought about it like that. And and then I, after a, a couple minutes of contemplation, I said, I think I'd give it like a six out of 10. Um, what is your answer to that question? And, and what were you expecting my answer to be? Uh, I I think it's um, potentially really bad. Uh, I wasn't really sure what you'd say. Six was probably sort of on the high end of what I thought you might say. Um, I because to me, you know, like Chet Holmgren, it's just he. It seems like he's got uh, he's still kind of a mystery man in terms of how he translates to the NBA. And yet I think he is sort of the consensus top guy. And then Jabari Smith uh, is kind of, he's got some variants as well. And like there's a guy from Purdue and a guy from Iowa that might go top half of the lottery. A guy from Wisconsin might go in the lottery. Like it just, there's a lot of red flags here. I I think you're just upset that no one from Minnesota uh, happens to be projected (laughs) in the top 10. I, I think that's what's going on here. No, it is a little weird. That is for sure. Um, and, and a lot of these names, you know, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, you know, unless you were really, really in the weeds and really high on these guys coming into the season, I, nobody expected Johnny Davis to even be a guy who would be considering leaving Wisconsin after his sophomore season, let alone go in the top 10 of the 2022 NBA draft. And I'll, I'll admit, I, I'm you know, obviously kind of boots on the ground with the Wisconsin Badgers. I, I did not know as much about Keegan Murray coming into the season, but if you looked at, you know, kind of further out 2022 mock drafts several months ago, you weren't going to see Keegan Murray's name in the top seven or the top 10, which is where you're going to find him pretty consistently now 
at this point. And, and the way that you hear people talk about Keegan Murray, especially, I would not be surprised if he starts knocking on the door of the top five by the time we get to May and June. Um, but, you know, ra- rather than, you know, kind of go prospect by prospect and, and try to break these guys down, like, I, I know you want to take a, a bigger picture approach to, to looking at this class. I mean, is, is part of it the the lack of recruiting pedigree with some of these guys? Like, is, is it as simple as, look, Iowa has not put a first round pick into the NBA since 1998 for a reason. Um, is this just a kind of a one-off bad class? Like, I, where, where do you want to go with this? Uh, so, I mean, I, I always get sort of worried when it seems like the strength of a class is uh, fours and fives. Like there's very little to get excited about in terms of primary ball handlers and like, you know, uh, two-way wings and just the way that the game has sort of evolved. There's such a high bar to clear to be an impactful winning player who plays power forward or center. And it seems like, I don't know, maybe four of the top five picks maybe five of the top six picks could be fours and fives. And uh, that's kind of scary to me. And uh, a lot of them don't have, like we're not talking about a bunch of DeAndre Ayton, James Wiseman caliber athletic specimens, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're kind of more sort of six ten, okay athlete type of guys. And uh you know, you could you could kind of dream on Shadon Sharp a little bit, but there's just so little to go on with him on the wing. Uh, you could, I mean, it, I think it's easy to maybe get excited about Jaden Ivey uh, just because he's kind of the clear top uh, guard in the draft. But, you know, he's been playing against Big Ten players. Like, it's just, it's like I watch, I watch like highlights of Jaden Ivey and he looks really good, but then you have to remember the guys he's going up against, you know, these are just sub, you know, we're not even talking about G league caliber athletes, uh, most of the guys he's going up against. So um, I just, I worry when the strength of the class is on these sort of um, tweener big men where, you know, how much are they going to be able to shoot? How much are they going to be able to protect the rim? I think a lot of that's still up for debate. All valid points. Uh, on Jaden Ivey, I, I'm with you there. I He's one of those guys that's really fun to watch. Like He's you're kind of one of those college players that you're going to remember for a long time. This Purdue team is super fun. Uh, could be a team that makes a deep run in the tournament. But I, I do think he is really benefiting from being essentially not the only elite guard, You know, depending on what you think about Johnny Davis, but being the kind of consensus number one guard in this class. Because I, I think in a lot of classes, like it, it does seem to – to wax and wane you know there are sometimes where in the past we've talked about players um and i think james wiseman just a couple of years ago did fit this bill i mean he was going to be an elite prospect no matter what but there really was not another great big man in that class i mean anyaka Okongwu, very much an unknown you know we didn't see a ton of him at usc he ended up going six but other than that i mean you had obi toppin going in in the top 10 you had, like jalen smith uh was essentially the third big man off the board in that draft that says a lot um, and it does feel like Jaden Ivey is kind of the guard version of that situation where if, if this was a deeper draft, if this was a draft that had more elite guard prospects, I think he would be the third or fourth or fifth best guard in the draft as opposed to essentially the consensus best guard. Like there's there's a lot of holes in his game for as, as great of an athlete as he is. I, I don't think he's someone that I, I look at, you know, when I when I watch Purdue a, a bunch of times this season and say, oh, that, that guy's going to be an immediate star in the NBA. Like I maybe down the road. But I, I don't think he's that caliber of prospect that would normally go somewhere between third and fifth overall. Yeah, it's just it's so hard to evaluate him. Um, I feel like it's gotten it's getting harder and harder to be a NBA scout because of just the different um, sort of leagues you have to scout in. Like you got to scout in Europe, you got to scout in the G League, you got to scout in college. While the college game has gotten worse and worse, so it's just so hard to see like envision how he would do uh, against NBA caliber guards. I, I do think he has, um, if, if he had just like kind of a quicker uh, read and react uh, passing ability in the pick and roll, 
I'd be a lot higher on him. He seems to be about like a half a second to a second behind on his reads in like in terms of like throwing the oop or mm-hmm. uh, just finding the the open guy under the under the rim when he draws two defenders and he definitely has the ability to kind of slow down and you know kind of he, he's not playing out of control when he when he's in the pick and roll and so I, I like that a lot uh, and I I think he'll I think he'll be able to shoot fine um i just think it's it's tough for me to um kind of get a sense of just how good his uh in-game athleticism really is as he's going up against these extremely unathletic uh players in the big 10 hey watch it like like i mean is okay so um like i would say he's a I don't know. Is he is he a better athlete than like Mike Conley was at Ohio State? Yes, definitely. Yes. Come on. What are we is What are we doing here? That's that's more a, a knock on the lack of athleticism for Mike Conley. I, I mean, I think he's a he, legitimately great athlete, but he's not he, John Morant. He's he's not as good as like Donovan Mitchell coming out though, is he? I would say athleticism wise, they're comparable, but I think Mitchell was more built. Mitchell was smoother. Um, you know, Ivy kind of hops into his shot it's a, a little bit more of a like a set shot even off the dribble you know there's not a it's kind of kind of a flick type of shot like I, I don't envision him you know being someone who's flying around screens and, and really squaring up and getting great looks um I, I don't know I, athleticism wise I think that's probably his best trait like he's super fast he's athletic his second jump is right there like I, I that's not the knock to me um I think you're right about the feel though it's it, there's a lot of all right I'm just putting my head down and I'm gonna kind of you know, take a couple dribbles, get by my guy, and I'm going to get in the air and just hopefully something good happens. You know, that's there's a little more of that than you'd like to see. I think he's an overrated athlete. Is, is all I was trying to say. Right. Like I, I think he's. It looks a lot better than it will look against NBA players right now. Is is my read on that? So um, yeah, we'll yeah. see how he I mean, measures I, I, as well. All that saying, all that I guarantee he would be in my top five, and I don't know, probably in my top three or four. Like it's just, I, I don't think it's a great class. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I kind of want to talk about Chet Holmgren because he's just so uh, so unique, really, uh, as a as an NBA prospect. 
yeah, let's, let's go in on, on Holmgren. I mean, I, I've thought about this a ton of late. I, I talked about him uh, on a pod with, we were talking about the tournament yesterday. Uh, you can find that in the same feed and like, it, there's just no, like you said, he is so unique and it's, it's really hard to find a comp. I mean, there are, you know, physically there are a lot of comps on kind of both sides of the spectrum. It's like, well, in some ways he kind of like reminds you of like Giannis Gobert in terms of his body. And he also kind of reminds you of like Anthony Randolph, Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, like there, there's not a lot of guys like with that type of body, you either end up being really good or, don't make it at all. Like there's, there's not a lot of guys who are seven, one with a seven, five wingspan and are blocking four shots a game and shooting 40% from three, um, you know, who are just like, okay players in the NBA. Um, and, and I don't know, like, I, I do wonder too, if this is maybe the direction that, that we're trending just in terms of NBA athletes where, you, you know, it's not like this is going to become the norm, but maybe five, 10, 15 years down the road, there'll be, there'll be more of these guys uh, that we could compare someone like Chet Holmgren to, uh, but it's it's really really tough to find a comparison. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think the I think the fact that he's a white guy just kind of throws people for a loop in terms of was, evaluating him. I was just gonna say that, like, I think I think him being white makes it so such kind of a it screws up your like what type of comps you're thinking of because he definitely moves more like. Uh, Kevin Durant, like not anywhere near that type of just natural mm-hmm. shooter or scorer, but he doesn't like, he doesn't move like one of like a Pokashevsky type of guy, you know, like he's just oh. way more like fluid with just the way he moves. But I think when people see a skinny white guy, that's that tall, they just start thinking of like, which, you know, white big men does he remind you of? but he yeah. doesn't play like those guys and he doesn't move like those guys. So I do think it's just, it's such a, He's such a he's such a weird guy, such a weird prospect. Yeah, I mean, you'll see if you just Google Chet Holmgren comparisons, you'll find I mean probably fifteen to twenty guys, depending on how deep you're you're digging. I mean, I one site I was reading the other day had they had him compared to two guys. It was poor man's Dirk slash Marcus Camby with a jump shot, <laughs> and it's like yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of that's where we are with this guy. Like, like you said, I mean, I, if he was black, I don't I think we'd still be having trouble comparing you know, players to him. But I think the fact that he's white, just like it, people, it just breaks people's brains who have not really seen anything like this. Um, like athleticism wise, he's not, he's not like Giannis level. Um, and, and part of it too, is like when you have, when you're that tall, when you have such long arms, like it's, even if you are jumping high and you see this with Giannis all the time, like when he'll have a big like windmill dunk, it's impressive, but it's not quite as impressive as what someone who's like six, four or six, five does it because it looks like they're getting so much further off the ground because their body's smaller um, and he has a lot of that. Like he'll have these big dunks or these, even these big blocks where you're like, I should be more impressed by this, but he barely leaves the ground because he's so long. Um, I, I mean, I, I just don't know what, like, it depends what you're expecting of Chet Holmgren. I, if I had the number one pick in the draft, pretty much unequivocally, regardless of which team we're talking, I think I would take him just because I, I, I think if you put the right people in charge of his development, unless something breaks down with him physically. And, and I do wonder how much that's going to end up being scrutinized. Um, as he goes through the draft process, there's apparently like his dad had like really bad knees and was like a great player growing up and then had to quit basketball. Like, obviously that's going to become a storyline I'm sure, but I I think his floor is, is really high. And, you know, you, you could argue like what his NBA ceiling is with his like current, uh, physical profile. You know, it's a question of how much weight can he necessarily add, but he's pretty much good at everything at this point, right? It's like, he's, he's an above average passer. He's a fantastic shot blocker. He's a 40 plus percent three point shooter. He can get a rebound and go. Um, I, you know, I, I, I feel like we do this with every prospect, but people are just kind of finding nits to pick. I, I think with Chet Holmgren and, you know, for me, unless you, unless you want to question how his body is going to develop, I, I, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen very, very few glaring weaknesses in his game. Yeah. One, one thing I really like about him is, uh, like if you just kind of ignore the body, like if you just look at like what what is he good at? Uh, he's so easy to to build around and so easy to integrate into a into a roster because he he just does like everything you would want a player like him to be able to do. He does it really well, and mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of you know how does his 
slight frame impact his ability to get the most out of his skill because like he's very very high skilled um you know is he gonna be someone who just gets pushed around a ton uh maybe is is he a guy where you almost want to play him uh kind of like like he's he's very very different physically um than Chris Epps Porzingis but do you maybe just want to sort of play him that way where he he protects the rim on defense and just mm-hmm. hangs out by the three point line or has the ball in his hands on offense cuz like I, I definitely don't think he can like post up or anything on offense but uh I just think he's he you could fit him on so many teams as long as you've got a good mm-hmm. coaching staff yeah, and he's the type of player that, you know, and, and maybe there is some hesitation where you you by default don't necessarily want to take a guy like this with the number one pick in the NBA draft. But he's somebody that just by being out there for 35 minutes, it feels like could average 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists, you know, two blocks, a steal, and one and a half threes per game. Um, and, you know, like, I, I think when there's this thing in your mind where you're like, oh, if I'm getting the number one pick, I want a guy who's going to be able to get me 30 points a game at his peak. And I, I don't think that's what, Chet Holmgren is going to be able to do, but I, I mean, I, I think defensively he's like already has that like shot blocking gene of like, you know, it hasn't really mattered that he's pretty much like the lightest player on the court, you know, regardless of size, uh, some of the blocks that he's had and, and you could quibble about the competition and the WCC, uh, but like the timing and, and the vision, you know, and, and to avoid fouling has certainly been there. I think the Porzingis comparison makes sense. The other guy, uh, and, and this has worked out really well the way that they've, they found a way to use him this year and we certainly questioned it at the time is Jaron Jackson, um, you know, yeah. being able to basically utilize him as a shot blocking specialist and let Steven Adams, you know, handle the dirty work or, right. you know, really put in the time when you're playing Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Rudy Gobert. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably an even better comparison. And uh, unlike Jackson and Porzingis, he can, do stuff with the ball in his hands like he can he can run the fast break and stuff like that so um i i'm with you i think he's he's pretty much got to be the number one pick uh i like jabari smith fine but um i just see a a higher ceiling with with holmgren right i think if you're drafting holmgren and expecting him to come in and be your go-to like franchise savior scorer that's that's a pretty big issue but if a team, or if you're expecting him even to be a five right away, I think that's also going to be a problem. I think, you know, let alone the Embiid's of the world who push everybody around, but like most NBA centers, I think would have their way with him at least early on. I think you have to bring him up almost as a four with the idea that eventually he kind of becomes this, you know, I hate to throw Giannis out there because it, it does feel like such an unattainable comparison for, for anyone, even somebody that we're talking about as a number one pick. But I think eventually he's this guy who, could play the four could maybe even play the three depending on how the shot continues to develop. But when you need to slide him over to the five, he can absolutely do that. And uh, it is, you know, I part of why I don't like the draft is because of how many big men there are, but uh, most of the teams that are going to be picking high in the draft already have some sort of ball handler that they're trying to build around. So Mm -hmm. I think he's, like, I can't imagine whoever has the first pick being like, oh, Holmgren's not a fit for us. Yeah, right. He's a fit for pretty much everybody. Like, I, I don't think any team is like, oh, we, we already got a, you know, a 7-1 uh, guy who kind of does everything, like, unless the Bucks are picking at number one. Which team do you think would be the the most fun landing spot? If we can, if we can agree that pretty much every team would be a fit, where would it be the most fun for him to end up? Like, Detroit, Orlando, Houston, OKC? Houston. Um, Houston. Houston? Yeah, because uh... – I think he compliments Shangun really, really well. Like I think a Shangun Holmgren front court could be like they they kind of have the exact same strengths and weaknesses on offense. And mm-hmm. uh Shangun has <laughs> they kind of have the same strengths and weaknesses on defense too. Like yeah. Shangun's sort of a big, a big bruiser. Um and Holmgren's like really light on his feet. So uh, and then uh, that team really needs unselfish play and passing. You know, the fact that Shengun is the best passer on the team as a rookie is not good, uh, obviously. And so 
uh, his playmaking offensively and the fact that he's just very unselfish, like that, you know, Jalen Green is going to get his shots up, right? So uh, yes. just having having someone that uh, is very okay with just trying to win and trying to average, you know, 18 points. Like I think Chet Holmgren would be fine if in the third year in the NBA he's averaging 19 points as long as the team's winning. I think he'd be fine with that. How do you feel about these Rashard Lewis comps for Jabari Smith that I feel like have become more and more common <laughs> over the last month or so? I I kind of get it. And that's and that's kind of why I I think it's gotta be Holmgren over Smith, is I I don't really see I don't really see Smith being um like a a killer, like number one option type of guy. And that's not you know, it's not a no shame in that. I mean, I don't. It's it's whatever. But I mean, he's he's going to be a top three pick. I just think he's more of a sort of high end role player to me than a than a star. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I I think the numbers you know certainly imply that that there maybe is a higher ceiling there when you're talking you know seventeen point seven rebounds, two assists, over a block, and over a steal per game. He's you know up over close to forty three percent now from three on the year, but like I, I think I, I don't know if I love like the Richard Lewis comparison like body style wise. I, I feel like Smith could be maybe a little more physical and, and maybe bulk up a little more well, than Richard Lewis ever did. Let me ask you this: like, could you picture him, you know, last minute of a game? Is he going off the dribble to get a shot in the uh, NBA? Not right now. No. I mean, is he doing that in three years? Well, the thing, like another comparison that I've seen um, with him is Kawhi in some ways. And I mean, that's almost in the honest category of like, yeah. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to stop with the Kawhi cops. Right, right. At some point, there will be another Giannis. At some point, there will be another Kawhi. But these are, these are like developmental marvels, you know? And I I think teams now see, you know, you'll say, oh, well, there's, there's like 10% Kawhi in him. And, it, you know, when Kawhi came into the league, he was, what, like the 15th pick, something like that. Um, and, you know, now teams are like, well, if there's a chance he could be Kawhi, even if it's 10 to 20 percent, you know, we got to take him at number two because he might be Kawhi Leonard. Like the chances that that happens are, are not great. I, I don't see him turning into that kind of ball handler. And, and like I said, I don't necessarily love the Rashard Lewis comparison one to one, but I love the Rashard Lewis comparison in terms of what kind of caliber player he can be, which is a really, really good player who could probably make yeah. a few all star games, but not a number one guy, you know, on a, on a team that's finishing top four in a conference. Yeah. Like I, I think he could make between zero and two all-star teams yeah. and probably get a, make a lot of money because he's going to be doing the stuff that teams need. Like he, he's a good fit. Uh, you know, he's got that size and the shooting ability that you want. And um I mean, the thing about Kawhi and Giannis, like as crazy as their physical gifts are, their intangibles and work ethic and competitiveness like are are nearly unmatched. You know, I mean, you you have to have it all to be those guys. Right, exactly. And I think it's tempting to, when you're talking about somebody that you might be taking with the number one pick, just assume that that comes with that. And that is... Certainly not Anthony true. Davis. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but I was going to say, uh, okay. what is his name? Anthony Bennett. About? Anthony Bennett. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that's crazy. No, that's, that yeah. one's way. Uh, that's man. That's wild. Um, yeah. I, I mean, just, is there? I was, was going to give you a chance to rip on Anthony Davis for a minute. Uh, no, I will not be taking that opportunity. We all know what would have happened if he had stayed healthy last year. Uh, they 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 would have beat they the Suns. They got away with the title. They would have, they'd be going for three straight. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more. All that is at your fingertips with the WinBet app. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or even try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Those nine states are Arizona, Colorado, 
Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, and it's rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier players who have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim that free Rotowire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E, thrive. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10, and you'll receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Step three, play in your first paid contest, and you will then receive that free six-month Rotowire subscription. Infinite value with that subscription. You'll get full access to everything on rotowire.com, all sports, all of our optimizers, everything you need to become the best fantasy player and sports better that you can be. Check out thrivefantasy.com to learn more. Thrive Fantasy, an official partner of Rotowire. I mean, speaking of Anthony Bennett, is is I, I don't know how exactly how down on this class you are, but I mean, is there a chance that after a couple of really good drafts uh, in 2021 and 2020 that maybe we get a correction here and this ends up looking more like 2013 where, you know, there are some guys that you kind of just end up talking your, yourself into before the draft and you look back and all of a sudden, you know, Otto Porter went number three overall and Alex Len went number five overall. Uh, well, you know, we almost got to – just like we have to stop comparing players to Giannis and Kawhi, we, we might have to stop comparing draft classes to that, that 2013 class yeah. because, uh, I mean, that one's, that one's one for the ages. But uh, I, the, the way I sort of think about this one is I bet that half of the top six picks are going to be considered busts. Like, I, I just think there yeah, are going to be – there are going to be guys who get taken very high who amount to very little in this class and sort of sifting through all that will be the big challenge. All right, let's move on to Ben Carroll and, and we can use this as a jumping off point to hit on any of the other Duke guys. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be putting an article up on the site tomorrow. I've, I've been mapping it out today. And I mean, there's at least four Duke players that are going to get write-ups. I mean, there could be as many as five, depending on where you come in on Wendell Moore uh, that could end up sneaking into the first round of this draft. But Bancaro, uh, clearly the number one guy uh, pretty much everywhere you look. Uh, although A.J. Griffin, I think, maybe starting to close that gap a little bit. And I, I don't know how much A.J. Griffin, uh, either you know, live games or tape, that you've been grinding lately. But I, I'm starting to think that there might be a uh, Marvin Bagley, like Wendell Carter situation developing here where, you know, Bancaro is the, the more widely, highly regarded prospect. But I, I almost walk away more impressed with A.J. Griffin in, in certain games. Yeah, definitely. Um, who was the, wasn't there, wasn't there like a Kentucky thing? Was it SGA and Kevin Knox? Uh, yeah, or, I believe that was the same draft. Yeah, yeah like that a, was 20, kind of a, 2018, yep. Yeah, um, like I, I, I haven't done enough um, full prep on this to, to say it with confidence, but I could very easily see myself preferring Griffin to Bancaro when the draft comes around. And uh, it's just Bancaro's game is just so, it's so ancient, you know, it's such a, it's such a mid nineties game. It's not even a, it's not even an early two thousands game. He's just he reminds very, me of Big Dog. The, the Glenn Robinson comps, <laughs> they, they're, they're out there and they're, they're real. Um <laughs> Yeah. that used to yeah, be a good I, cop that used to be somebody you would want to be compared to yeah uh he's yeah he's just he's one of those like, like big college power forwards who just kind of muscles his way into points and yeah i've seen him start yeah. to be listed as a forward slash center in some mocks that's not good <laughs> but it's not good no um no no it's not i mean he because he is he better at shooting threes or protecting the rim? 
Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I actually have a a decent amount of faith in the shot. I I know the numbers aren't fantastic, but I I think it looks okay. I mean, I I think his confidence has really come and gone depending on what game you're watching. Like when he's on, he, he's clearly, you know, feeling it. He's a confident shooter. Um, But there, there have been other games where he'll just kind of disappear. And, And part of that is playing, on a really talented team, but he's still supposed to be the man. Um, and I don't think we've seen as much of that. Like it, it felt like he was on, he, he started the season on such a peak. Like they had that, that early game um, in the champions classic, I think against Kentucky. Right. And, and he played really well there. He played really well against Gonzaga. And, you know, ever since then, it's just, it's just been kind of Rocky. Um, you know, what, what, one comparison I was thinking of with him and, and it's not, again, it's not a one-to-one, but how, how different is he from Jabari Parker? Because, no, that Jabari Parker that was like, he was like bulletproof. You know, I feel like everybody, even though he didn't go number one in that draft, like pretty much everyone agreed that Jabari Parker was going to be really good. And maybe we've just gotten better and, or maybe, you know, more cynical when it comes to draft evaluation, but like, why did everybody love Jabari Parker? And why are there seemingly so many questions about Van Carroll? Because like numbers wise, they're pretty similar. I mean, Jabari's jump shot numbers is three point shooting, especially uh, was better and, and you could argue he was a better athlete but like physically they're about the same you know recruiting pedigree they're about the same well I was I was not a Jabari guy um okay, but you're I, on the right side I, was, I was a uh Andrew Wiggins and Dante Exum guy so um Josh yeah, Jackson guy not, too not big Josh Jackson guy different class but um yeah I mean like that that one I basically the same exact reasons like it just I didn't know what Jabari Parker's role in the NBA was going to be. Like, it was very clear that like Wiggins had the higher defensive upside and was a better athlete. And, um, you know, that's another case of just kind of not having the desire and the work ethic and stuff like that. But uh, like, is what I was going to ask you is, is Bankero's frame and athleticism an even bigger concern than Chet Holmgren's? Like, could you see Bancaro just being a groundbound guy in like four years? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think he needs to choose a path. I, I think there it's I don't like the, the comparison there with Holmgren because with Holmgren, it's more like, will this man's body physically hold up? Like, is there is there a chance that when he, you know, fully fills out that, you know, his hips or knees or something are gonna be misaligned? Like those questions are gonna be there. Whereas Bancaro, it's just more it's I think it's more about the athleticism than the body. Um, and he's, he's an okay athlete, but, you know, to be a, a superstar, especially at that position, kind of a, a floating, you know, power forward wing type, which I think is the player he'd prefer to be. I, I don't think he would say, yes, I want to play center in the NBA. Um, you know, you, you have to be normally better than an average athlete. It, it just depends what path he's willing to go down. Like, does he, instead of becoming, you know, kind of this like break you down off the dribble type of player, you know, pull up, is he, is he more like pre current day Julius Randle, like the Julius Randle that we saw on the Lakers and the Pelicans. Yeah. I think, I think sort of Julius Randle is a solid career arc um, that I could see from him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if I were him and I were his team, like of advisors and stuff, I would try to uh, lose as much weight now as possible and uh, just become as athletic uh, and flexible as possible because, you know, when he was a amp or when he was a, a prep, like he was bringing the ball up and he was, you know, doing stuff in transition and that type of thing. And if he can kind of, get back to that and be more of a guy that, that sort of operates with the ball in his hands. And this is, this might be another case of a guy, just his college situation leading to him being just kind of misunderstood. Like, I think mm-hmm. if I were an NBA team, I'd really want to investigate what he can do with the ball in his hands rather than have, cause like, you're not going to be sending him to the post to, to post up in the NBA. Like you almost need to start him with the ball and have him work his way into the post from there. Mm-hmm. So I just think he needs to become a little bit uh, swifter afoot and uh, kind of work on that between now and the draft and maybe do some workouts uh, to kind of get that on teams' radars because as things stand, it's sort of like if you are if you have him on an NBA team and you're the coach, how do you integrate this guy, this rookie, 
into your offense. Like it just doesn't like, what is he good at in the NBA on offense right now? It's just, it's, it's a weird set of skills to mesh in there. Yeah. I've had a really hard time reaching a comparison for him. And, you know, Randall is, is one that I've kept coming back to, but the difference there is like Bancaro came up more as this playmaking wing. Whereas if you watch Julius Randall in high school or at Kentucky, it's like his background was almost more as an interior scorer. And he, you know, learned how to, you know, become the player that he is now where he's a much better passer. He can break you down. He can shoot threes. Like that was not really a part of his game whatsoever um, when he was Bancaro's age. And, and Bancaro feels like it's trending the other way where he's gone from being a playmaking shooting wing, you know, early in his uh, basketball life to uh, maybe kind of heading toward more of an early Julius Randle now. And, and again, I don't think he wants to go in that direction. You know, most, most guys who have come up being the man as a, a ball handler playmaker are not going to want to, just go, you know, kind of operate out of the post in the NBA. And, and as you alluded to, like, he's not going to be good enough to do that either way. Um, and, and right now he's just kind of a ball stopper and, and that can work because he's super talented. I mean, obviously Duke's had a successful season. ACC has been down. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a, a difficult player, I think, to integrate. Like, I, I think he's somebody that if he ended up in a situation like, like he could kind of be next year's Jalen Green, I guess, you know, if, if he was in a situation where they're like, all right, just go do whatever you want. Like, yeah, his numbers would look okay. I think the efficiency would be disastrous. I think his bad nights would look really bad. Um, it, it's it's really hard to say, I, I think, where his career is going to go. I mean, right now, is it fair to to put, like, a Tobias Harris type of comp in there? I kind of think you got to look at that as sort of a win. Like, if like, you know, if, if you just told me he's going to have Tobias Harris's career, I think I would take that. Like, you know, I, I just don't see a That's ton fine, yeah. of upside beyond that. Yeah, I mean, the problem is how realistic our team's going to be. Because if that's if that's what you're saying, like, we think this guy could beat Tobias Harris, you're then like, okay, I, well, do I want to spend the number two pick on Tobias Harris? But I don't know, in this draft, maybe maybe that's going to be a pretty acceptable outcome. Uh, like, I, like, when I watched him early on, I was like, he's got a little bit of mellow. He, he kind of moves around a little like Paul George. Like, I, I've, I've definitely come off the Paul George cop. Like, that one... That one doesn't really hold up, but I, th- I think there's still like a little bit of mellow potential. Like mellow was never a fantastic athlete. Well, should we talk about uh, like very quickly, maybe Griffin, Ivy, Duran, and Sharp, and maybe a tiny bit of Johnny Davis. Like sure. Quick I, mean, I, th- I think we've already hit Ivy. So we, we can move on from Ivy. Um, or or I didn't mean, I, I meant, uh, I meant Murray. Um, oh, sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Murray's one of those guys and there's definitely the, the Iowa factor where it's like, I, I just like, can't, I can't believe what I'm seeing with my eyes. Like this man is wearing a Jersey that says Iowa and doing the things he does. Um, I, and he's another guy that I heard on a pod recently uh, was compared to Kawhi Leonard uh, in terms of his demeanor. Um, Come on. And you just how like emotionless he is, uh, which again, yeah. I, I don't think we'll ever see anyone as emotionless as Kawhi Leonard. That That's a one of one trait that he has. Um, I, I mean, with, with Murray to me, it's about like, what does he do? Or what, where does he play, I guess, in the NBA? Like, I, I think he has a fairly high floor. I don't think he has a star type of ceiling. Like, can he be Can he be Harrison Barnes? I Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think in terms of the type of production and the type of career arc that Harrison Barnes has had, absolutely. I, I think that's in play. I guess I always viewed Harrison Barnes as more of a – like a true three, you know, in every sense of the word. And he's played more four, you know, as he's gotten older. Um, but he too was one of those guys that was like really playmaking off the dribble, was getting his own shots off the dribble, oftentimes to the detriment of that North Carolina team. But like Murray to me seems like more of a, like a true four, um, like a, a, a more of a classic power forward, where I guess I, I always saw Barnes as more of a classic small forward. Yeah. I mean, I thought Barnes was a small forward his first couple of years, but yeah. I, I've sort of seen him as more of a stretch four over the past like four or five years, even though the Kings have not agreed with me on that. Um, but I just, you know, kind of like, you know, like a, the type of guy who you want guarding fours and you want sort of stretching. Uh, I, yeah, I just, it's just, it's very, it's a very unexciting profile to me. I don't see, I don't see a ton of upside there. It's, it's kind of like best case scenario. He's your fourth best player, that type of thing on a good team. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. It, it's, 
it's just based on what your expectations are. You know, if, if you're drafting him, if, if it's like a really bad team drafting him and you, you're like, all right, we, we want you to be our number two guy long-term, that's not ideal. I, I think to me, if he can do, you know, and he might end up going in the same spot. Like DeAndre Hunter went fourth overall in 2019. And I feel like he, you know, he's had some injuries and it's been a little up and down, but he landed in such a perfect spot where they just said like, go do what you do best. You know, we'll have Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, they'll handle all that other stuff. Like just go be you for 30 to 35 minutes. Like if he could land in a role like that, I think that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, with, with all of these guys, where they land is going to be very important. Um, the, the guy that I think I have the least amount of uh, a good read on is Jalen Duran because he, like, if you watch his, his good plays, it's uh, very interesting. But if you watch the, highlights that include you know every play he made in that game you will see a lot of very 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 bad plays and very bad reads and uh i guess i just i don't know i don't know what to do with him like is do you think he's a starting center in the nba uh like yes or no yes i think so i I think like i mean physically he's way for way further along than most guys his age and obviously in the nba you know that gets offset by the fact that everybody looks like that um but i mean he's he's a a monster and there's no getting around that like the size is is a huge asset there's there is a little like hassan whiteside to him um although i mean hassan whiteside was playing really well like had had a couple blocks on Giannis last night you know so it's like if that's if that's like your worst outcome um i i think he could still be a really good player i Yet again, like like we just said with with Murray, it's like if he lands in a bad spot, things could go south really quickly. Uh, but if he's somewhere where he can develop a little bit and you know, kind of maybe follow a similar path to like a Kongwu uh, again in Atlanta, where he's you know been kind of introduced slowly behind Clint Capella, probably not playing as much as he should. Um, you know, I, I think that could be ideal. But um, like overall, I'm definitely in on Dirt. Like the the good plays are good enough that I I am very intrigued. And if I was a team picking at six or seven and I was deciding between Duran and, and Keegan Murray and I'm looking for you know the best possible player at their peak I think I would I would lean in favor of Duran now if I'm a, a GM that wants a guy who's going to contribute right away or maybe contribute in year two or kind of be like my McCall Bridges type of bridge guy um, you know then I would I would maybe lean Murray so I would take Shadon Sharp and AJ Griffin over both Murray and Duran yeah um yeah, because I, think I just think you're <clears throat> you're potentially getting wings, two way wings with both those guys, and like even like even if Duran is, uh, you know, I I think he's always going to kind of leave you wanting more. The athleticism is going to really pop on alley oops and stuff like that. Uh, Murray, we we kind of touched on not a ton of upside there, but at least with Sharp and and Griffin you could kind of talk yourself into, you know, you develop a starting wing who kind of does everything you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing to develop. And the, these are two of the only guys in this draft that have a chance to be that. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's all completely spot on. I, I am definitely pro AJ Griffin, uh, who's also super young, you know, even, even in a class full of young guys, like he's only two months older than Jalen Duran. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, Keegan Murray is more than three full years older than Duran and, and just a little under three years older uh, than, than A.J. Griffin. So that is something that I think teams will will definitely take into account. Uh, let, let's just finish up on Johnny Davis and then we'll get out of here. I, I'm still perplexed. I, I really he's another guy I've, I've talked to a ton of friends you know, all season about, like, who we try to compare him to. I've heard everything from smaller DeMar DeRozan to Jordan Clarkson to Devin Booker to Tyler Hero. Um, and I, I really don't love any of them. I, I don't know. I've, I've always kind of saw him as like a, maybe a poor man, CJ McCollum in some ways. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit hard to cop because the jump shot, you know, when you want to compare him to someone like a Booker or a hero, you know, it, it's because they, they have similar size. They, they do similar, similar things in the mid range, but you know, Davis could get hot, but he's not been a knockdown three point shooter, which if you're not that, you know, it, it's tough to have success as a, you know, a mid lottery guard in the NBA. 
yeah, I always get wary of of this type of prospect where they're not point guards, but they're not like dead eye shooters and they're not freak athletes. So just a lot can go wrong from there. Like you, you kind of, if you're not a point guard and in college, you weren't just this, you know, elite shooter. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's a, a lot kind of has to go right from there. So, um, I mean, this is, this is kind of the, the rough spot of the draft. I mean, this is where, this is where things fall off. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'd probably, this is where I would take Keegan Murray as low as I am on Keegan Murray. I would take, uh, I would take him over Jenny Davis. Yeah. Those guys are neck and neck. I, to me, I, I feel like they almost have similar upside. Um, you know, Davis is a little bit younger one year. Uh, he's, he's a little over 20. Um, you know, Murray's like 21 and a half. I, I just hope Davis doesn't go too high because I, I think that's setting him up for failure. Uh, like if he goes somewhere between 10 and 15, I think that will come with reasonable expectations and he could have a, a good NBA career. You know, that's like, you know, there, there we're talking like the Malik Monk zone, the Luke Kennard zone. Um, you know, I, I think like Cam Johnson went in that area. Like if, if he could just kind of be where the expectation is like, yeah, hopefully he could just be a, a really good, like six or seven fan. That would be great. If a team takes him, like if he has a great workout or he measures super well and a team takes him fifth overall, I'm going to be a little nervous. Yeah. Um, you don't want to end up in the uh, in the Jarrett Culver zone, uh, which is not a not a fair comp. Uh, different different players, but um, you know that's that's what can happen when you're a shooting guard who may or may not be able to shoot in the NBA. Yeah, very very true. I I was actually just talking to Shannon McEwen earlier today about uh, about Jarrett Culver. He was a big believer, as was I, at the time. So I, that that's one of my uh, one of my biggest misses, but I don't think we were alone on that one. Uh, anyway, I know you got a bunch of baseball stuff to get to. I got a bunch of writing to do uh, before everything kicks off with the NCAA tournament later this week. So we'll get out of here. But as always, man, appreciate you hopping on. Appreciate you taking the time. Yep. Happy to do it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.